With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to another episode of Open Floor, filling in for your host, Michael the Pod Pina. I'm Rohan Narkini, joined today by Sports Illustrated senior writer, Philadelphia Bureau Chief, John Gonzalez. John, as I told you right before the show today, all we can discuss, all we're really allowed to discuss is the fact that the Miami Dolphins and Philadelphia Eagles are clearly headed for an epic collision in this year's Super Bowl. Yeah, this is an episode of MMQB. So if you came here <laughs> yeah. looking for media day, open floor stuff, uh, maybe we'll get to it. But uh, first football. <laughs> um, I did actually make a cameo on last week's MMQB podcast because nice. after every Dol- after every Dolphins win this season, I've sent some really profane texts to our NFL colleagues regarding their uh, j- just taste of the Miami Dolphins the last couple of seasons. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. the coastal elitists that work at this magazine just don't appreciate the blue-collar work being done uh, by the Miami Dolphins, and we're, we're seeing the results pay off Are uh, you- so far this season. Are you uh, working off a different map than the rest of us? Does does Florida and Miami not count as the coast? Listen, I don't. Let's not um, forget about let's geography. Not nitpick. Right? Let's not nitpick. I've I've famously only lived on the coast between Florida, New York, <laughs> and Los Angeles. So I love that about you. Even Mumbai on the coast. So I've really. Um, all right, John. This is actually I'm excited. We got an action packed episode today. So much to get to around the NBA, uh, why we waited a day to do this podcast, because we've now, you know, the entire league has gone through media day. So much interesting stuff happening on the league. I think I saw someone tweet this. Oh, God, I'm, I'm so upset when I don't remember the names. They said uh, media day is the season premiere of NBA Twitter, a fantastic tweet. I got to yeah. find out who said that. Um, let's start, I think, with something that's 
not fun, but very important. Uh, you and Chris obviously touched on this in our last episode on Friday, but the Celtics had their media day. Obviously, mm-hmm. everyone asked about and commenting on the Ime Udoka situation. Obviously, Joe Mazzula doing his first press conference as the head coach. Um, some really kind of striking quotes. Jason Tatum saying he found out uh, on Twitter, like everyone else, that Ime was getting suspended. Uh, Jalen Brown saying it's it's unclear to him whether the relationship was consensual or not. Obviously, it's, it's not really our place to speculate on that. But it it's, it's con- remains to be an incredibly murky, unclear situation. And I mean that in terms of not did he do something wrong. I mean, obviously the team suspended him. But more so, we, we, we don't know what happened. So what did you kind of make of what happened with the Celtics on media day? Yeah, I mean, it's not surprising, right? When um, media day happens, there's any number of pressing questions for any number of teams from the offseason. And this was obviously at the fore, not just for the Celtics, but the NBA writ large. So these questions had to be asked. Uh, I think that the Celtics trying to keep a close hold and close to the vest isn't surprising. I wonder, you know, a little bit about some of the responses about how they found out. My guess is that uh, there were some you know, rumors and speculation internally. Uh, But independent of all that, um, this is obviously a really messy situation for the Celtics and really unfortunate. And I think, you know, Chris and I discussed this uh, on the pod last week. You know, despite the fact that it's a little frustrating for people outside the organization, fans, media members, the Celtics aren't exactly sharing uh, specific details about why they decided to spend uh, suspend uh, Udoka for a season. Jason Schwartz, who's an editor here at SI, tweeted this out, and I'm paraphrasing now, but previously I had read the exact uh, tweet. He said, look, you know, what we've wanted is to have organizations do their due diligence, do investigations, and then like meet out uh, like a proper amount of punishment when things of this nature involving uh, upside-down power dynamics happen within an organization. So despite the fact that we don't have specific details on, on this, it seems like the Celtics have operated in a manner that all of us have been pushing for for a while. Yes, I would agree in that aspect, certainly. My argument for why I do think they need to be more clear, though, is it's, and this is, you know, it's part of the problem of how this story got reported, where obviously it starts with an incredibly vague tweet, which invites a ton of rampant speculation. Then we know, I say no in quotes, then then it's reported that, it was a consensual relationship. Then it's reported that maybe he's making unwanted comments. And I think the way it was reported is, is, has been objectively not good, uh, frankly, um, and damaging to the people involved. It, it, and to, the, which degree, to what degree it's been damaging, we don't know because the, the details are very unclear and it's frustrating because media people, to be perfectly honest, will gossip about it and they'll say this and they'll say that, but they won't report certain things, which always happens to a degree. But it's just what's bothering about the situation, man, is it's like, let's say they can't get into specifics because of a legal situation. At least say that. Say he was in a relationship, but for you know legal reasons, pending legal reasons, we can't get into the specifics of consensual or not right now or, you know, whatever it, it takes. But I, 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 the fact that they are hiding behind this, we're suspending him for a violation of team guidelines. 
I think it's we've seen it already have a, a negative effect on the women in the organization. And I know Brad Stevens, to his credit, stood up for those those women. But the the speculation and rumors and innuendo, et cetera, it's all just going to grow until somebody at least comes out with something resembling a definitive version of events. Because it remains incredibly strange that he's he did something so bad that he can be suspended for a year, but not five. I just don't know who it's helping. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that it's helping anybody. I, I think that there's a camp of people, uh, perhaps your Stephen A. Smiths, although maybe he's he's become a little bit more reserved since his initial comments. Who go, you know, this is none of our business. So maybe they're trying to say, you know, we're going to meet out this punishment. But in terms of the details, we're going to try to protect the parties that are involved. I'm with you that I wonder what kind of infraction um, could happen to be suspended for a year but not fired. Um, but also, as I noted with Chris last week, that statement that the Celtics initially issued kind of leaves that open, the possibility that he might eventually be dismissed. And I wonder if that's mm-hmm. sort of a CYA legal thing where the mm-hmm. Celtics just want to take it incrementally in steps rather than just automatically voiding his contract and firing him saying, okay, we, we took this initial step. And now after further investigation uh, and further litigation, we've decided to dismiss him. I don't, I don't know if that's the way that they'll go. I, I have no inside information. I'm, I'm simply like thinking this through. Uh, but mm-hmm. that, that part of the statement did really stick out to me. Now to Stephen A's point, again, I'm not going to defend Stephen A here. Mm-hmm. I think that's that, your guy. Go ahead. You're a big <laughs> Stephen A fan. Philadelphia's own Stephen A Smith. So that's your guy. Um, what's I think reading kind of between the lines of the Stephen A statement and other people have written about this I think Ethan Strauss has written about this is I think the point not this is probably not the point he was trying to make but a, a, a point you can take from his comments is this is not the first NBA coach to have had a relationship that could probably be deemed inappropriate. It, it's it's almost certainly not the first NBA coach to uh, have had a relationship with someone within their organization. Uh, like I said, like many people hear rumors, etc. Like, and people are wondering, like, why don't people report this stuff? There's just certain thresholds for reporting things, certain private things that you you can't say, you you can't verify, etc. And I think what's kind of hidden between this under the Stephen A. bluster, which I generally do not agree with in this instance, is what made this so bad that they had to suspend him because people around the league know these things generally happen. And that is why it's ultimately invited even more speculation is we know these things happen. Why is this one standing out? And, and that's why I think the team needs to offer more clarity because it just it invites people to wonder what was so different about it in this case. Yeah, and, and you know, it's my guess that more details will emerge. Uh, they tend to. Um, but in the interim, I mean, yeah, you're right. It, it's a little cloudy. Uh, it does happen. It's certainly not the first time. Again, my guess is that it had something to do with like a really upside down problematic power dynamic uh, that the organization went... Yeah, this is no good. Now, there was also that reporting from Shams that I think was like kind of missed in all of this where, uh, you know, it, it, he had reported that uh, the organization was led to believe that that the relationship had been over. And then also recently that the woman in uh, the situation had accused uh, Udoka of 
inappropriate comments recently. So, mm-hmm. you know, all of these details matter, right? And we don't have a lot of them. All, yeah. all we know is that the Celtics decided to take this measure. And uh, for whatever reason, uh, this is the situation that they find themselves in. And like, you know, I, again, we, we've talked about this. The basketball component is far less important than whatever happened here in terms of the organization. But mm-hmm. it does really throw things into flux for the Celtics, right? Because like on media day, they're not talking about, hey, you made it to the finals and mm-hmm. what's the team look like? And, you know, like how do you answer or, or respond to, you know, Gallinari not being around and like what's the plan there and like Brogdon being involved. And uh, they're not talking about any of that. They're talking about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I just want to clarify, I'm not defending Ime Udoka by saying other people do this. Why is he getting singled out? It just... It adds to that layer of what did he do that was so bad because we know other people do this. And to your point, it, this is a team built to win an NBA Finals. It, it, it's arguably the favorite in the conference to make it out. It, it adds again to the, and I hate to be like, well, <laughs> we need dancers, but the fact that the team itself was willing to suspend him it, it, and in that way, I credit the Celtics because if there's one thing we've come to learn from sports organizations, and we've seen it with Deshaun Watson, with, you know, whether it's people accused of domestic violence who get second chances, these teams generally, at all costs, are willing to do whatever it takes to win. And here you have the Celtics, who maybe have their best chance to win a title, you know, in the last 15 years willing to suspend the coach who took them to the finals, it just, it, and everything that's happened in the story so far just invites speculation on what went so wrong that it's it's just crazy to talk about without those answers. And, and you're right, it's just the basketball is is not a focus at all, and it's, it's going to be... Who, I have no idea how this is going to manifest itself during the season. Yeah, um... I wonder how long it will linger, you know, how Mm -hmm. often they'll be asked about it Um, in the absence of details and knowledge about what happened. It does lead to speculation and it does leave it sort of open ended. So I do, I do wonder like how, how long this um, issue will just be like at the fore. Right. Cause Mm -hmm. you know, I remember, you know, when I was covering the Sixers regularly back in Philly and anytime there was any sort of like, controversy about anything like it just it just sat and it lingered and Mm -hmm. like brett brown was asked about that over basketball all the time so Mm -hmm. um yeah i mean it's something that the celtics organization is going to have to deal with i would guess yeah for a minute another strange reason why if you don't want the controversy to linger don't you fire them who knows but let's uh like i said we, we that was really all we can do is speculate about that situation and the last thing this world needs is like two more guys just speculating about something they have no idea about on a podcast. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's move on into some more basketball stuff. I want to talk about the Brooklyn Nets, although I say basketball. They also had an eventful media day, Mm. ranging from Kevin Durant just... Listen, I'll give Kevin Durant credit for this. Someone asked him, like, he's getting asked direct questions about a trade request he meant, and he's giving direct answers. He's not like, yep. I didn't make the request. He's not like, I don't want to talk about that. He's like, yeah, I thought the team was headed in a bad direction on a four-year deal. Like, you know, like addressing it directly. You got Kyrie Irving talking about his quote-unquote stance to be an unvaccinated individual and the effects that had and the money he's given up. Then you had Ben Simmons, who went on the J.J. Reddick podcast, now is answering questions at Media Day about his role within the team. Where do you, where do you want to begin here, John? Because it was it was really just a poo-poo platter of, of just hijinks from the Nets. I love the Nets. I mean, I love. Like, <laughs> I can't I, quit them. I can't oh quit my them. god! I I love everything about the Nets. Uh, I mean, we've discussed this previously. Like, I, I love basketball. Obviously, it's my favorite sport. Um, but I also love the drama, the storylines. It's great for content. 
And like, it's just, it's so, that team is so tremendous for those of us who love the storyline component that goes into the NBA because they, it never stops with the Nets. And so where do you want to start? Yes. The answer is yes with all of it. Um, <laughs> KD, I mean, KD talking about the, the trade request I thought was great because sometimes, as you know, we go to media day or we, we have a scrum uh, during the season and there's something controversial that pops up and you've got a player who just doesn't want to talk about it. And I think like that's not really realistic. Sometimes you'll get guys who go, uh, you know, I'm not talking about that. Well, OK, you, you can try not to talk about it, but we're going to ask you anyway. That's our job. Um, mm -hmm. So I thought that that was professional of him, right, to just be like, look, we all know. Absolutely. We all know what happened here. We're all adults. Uh, so let's just get it out in the open. And and to Kyrie's credit, too, I mean, he's not always a willing talker, but once you get him to talk, he's pretty great about that. Uh, I think, like, conversely, and this is a point that I made when Chris and I discussed uh, Ben Simmons last week, I thought Ben Simmons on the J.J. Redick podcast, and I know that there are people in Philadelphia who disagree with this, but uh, I thought Ben Simmons was a way different, I, like, almost unrecognizable in in his willingness to open up and discuss things that have happened with him from you know getting kicked out of practice to passing up that dunk against the atlanta hawks to his unwillingness to shoot threes and uh lack of improvement on that front so you know i hope ben simmons takes a page from kyrie and kd and just starts blathering to us i think that would be great um as a you know philadelphia fan process truther what was your what was like the best bit of the Ben Simmons interview that he did with JJ Redick for you? What what stuck with you the most? What what hurt you the most? I want to know how you genuinely took that in because I know that that was emotional for you. Yeah, um, not so much emotional as again I was sort of surprised that you know because even JJ had said, look, we tried to have him on multiple times, and and you know this is a guy who played with him, and yeah. he was like, yeah, we couldn't get him, uh, and you know like. But Ben Simmons is a notoriously not only tough interview in terms of like getting any information out of him or any like anything even resembling candor, but just actually getting him to talk. Right. Like he'll duck and dodge an interview all day long. So I thought that, that part the only was, time I got to interview Ben Simmons was for a story about an esports team that he had invested in. Right. Exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. very he's one of the toughest interviews on on all levels mm -hmm. in the NBA. So I thought that, that part was really interesting. Uh, the part about when he just flat out said, hey, I should have flushed it uh, against the mm -hmm. Hawks rather than passing to Matisse Thibel, which led to this whole big thing. Um, that kind of admission and acknowledgement of failure would have gone a long way in Philadelphia. If after that game, rather than being defensive, uh, and and like the summer that led to like an absolute and utter disaster for both him and the team. If he had just said, "Look, I messed up. I should have thrown that down. I haven't like I haven't been right mentally and physically. Uh, I screwed up on that play. Clearly, I should have dunked it. Boom, clean, done. You'd be shocked how surprised uh, like how forgiving Philadelphia fans are on the on those instances. So I think like with the benefit of hindsight, it's good that he got to that point. Uh, and then also, obviously, like him talking about his mental health, right? Like he clearly was going through some really tough stuff and, and also his back. Like, you know, he, he talked about his back pain, the issues that he was going through there. So he was in a really rough spot. And I think now um, he's in a much better place, both mentally and physically. And I, as you and I have discussed previously, am quite interested to see what he looks like ne next to Kyrie and KD. That could be a really, really good basketball fit if... He's willing to be, you know, Draymond Green East 
rather than like I'm Ben Simmons and I'm you know the best player on the floor because he's not. It was interesting because I think people did ask him, you know, what position do you expect to play next to Katie and Kyrie? And, you know, they're still, I think, playing it close to the chest in terms of what it's going to look like on the floor. The Nets, man, you know, I thought it was interesting. You know, someone asked KD, would, if, do you feel like you have anything to prove to Nets fans that you won't ask for another trade? And if things go poorly here, you know, KD talking about how he didn't like how the team couldn't handle adversity when he was not in the lineup, which kind of didn't really also address how the team was in a bad spot because they trade Harden, the guy they get back from is not playing, Kyrie's not playing because of the vaccine stuff. It's it's a messy situation, and yet, you're right. Like You just look at the roster, and you're like, oh, this could be really, really fun if mm-hmm. when you think about the on-court fit uh, between the pieces here. are you Where are you currently on the... What do you, I mean, we don't have, again, we're just kind of guessing here, but do you feel confident about Kyrie playing? Do you think that <laughs> he finishes the season with the team? Like, what no. is? <laughs> I mean, look, I, on paper, I, I really like the Nets. I mean, we've, we did our top five teams. They were in my mm-hmm. top five Eastern Conference contenders. Mm-hmm. Um, Vegas is obviously very scared of the Nets. Their, their odds are, um, you know they're one of the odds-on favorites after the Celtics and the Bucks on the in the Eastern Conference, but there's so much swirling around them. There's so much uncertainty. There's so many variables. How could you possibly be confident in them? I I saw a number recently, and I'm just ballparking it here, but it was something like 46 games for Simmons, Kyrie, and KD to play together this season. That blew me away. I take the under on that all day long because I there's really? no yeah. There's no chance that I could be confident that. You know, even individually, are you confident that like Kyrie would play like 46 games for the Nets? I'm not sure. I'm not sure because, you know, we just haven't seen it. You know, Ben Simmons, same thing, sits out all of last season. KD has had injury issues and, you know, he demands a trade and like who knows what tomorrow brings. So uh, if those three reach some sort of accord and are on the court consistently, then sky's the limit for them. They could be really, really good. But I, I, I'm just not confident in that. Are you? you just think at some point his self-interest like as a upcoming free agent he has too much to lose by going through another round of you know whatever like nonsense i mean he even alluded to it he said there weren't that many options for me in the off season because you know there's a stigma attached to me and it's like yeah man <laughs> no duh yeah <laughs> And you, you, he has an awareness of it, at least. And it's like, is he really willing to continue to go down this path? I mean, if anyone is, it appears to be him. How do you feel about... I, I feel like this entire experiment with the Nets has been so cynical from the moment that like the guys signed there. Remember back in the day, people used to at least take free agent meetings, you know? Yeah. And now it's like within seconds of free agency opening up these guys sign there. And I don't mean that in terms of like, obviously those kinds of deals happen all the time, but big stars at least used to at least take free agent meetings, at least get a sense of the right basketball fit, et cetera. You know, this is locked up right away. They get, they do the DeAndre Jordan thing. The coach gets fired. He wants Nash to get fired. It's, it's been so cynical. And then you have Durant, uh, what, what is his loyalty to? I mean, I, I love how much he loves the game of basketball. I love how much he loves playing. But do you 
are you a, are you a fan of this team? How would you kind of? I know that we like looking at it in terms of the hot mess it is, but it, does it not make you a little sad sometimes? Because it makes me a little sad sometimes. Um, I mean, look, this is kind of the player empowerment era. Is this is kind of the way that it goes, right? I mean, like, I don't know that you necessarily need to go to various stops and have them court you and like i'm not i'm legitimately not sure what i'm going to do in free agency i think once you hit free agency you've got a pretty good idea uh and even if you don't hit free agency i mean you know pj tucker at uh sixers media day yesterday was he was asked about coming to philadelphia and he said you know to be honest with you james and i were looking at this a couple years ago right so players are always talking they're looking at certain situations they've got a good idea of where they want to go you know hearkening back to you know the famous or infamous video of Kyrie and KD in the in the uh, in the hallway talking Tunnel, about two max yeah. contracts. This is all gamed out, right? So it's the era that we're in. Um, is it cynical? Maybe a little bit. What kind of loyalty does KD have to X? I would imagine that KD's loyalty is to uh, himself and whatever basketball team he's on in the pursuit of a championship, right? I mean, he left Oklahoma City at a time when they almost made it to the finals to join the team that beat him. Right. Like that's what his loyalty is. His, his loyalty is where's the best chance that I can get a ring. Right. And and that I can win. And I don't hate that. I really don't hate that. I mean, like, mm-hmm. you know, he went to uh, he went to uh, Golden State, played really well, uh, won championships, won finals MVPs, decided to, to team up with Kyrie in Brooklyn, thought it was going to go well. And when it w- was looking like it wasn't, he said, hey, get me out of here. I'm on a four year deal. I want to go someplace that I can win now. Again, the landscape has shifted a little bit. Maybe he now believes that he can win, or maybe he didn't think that anywhere that they could ship him uh, would have given him a better opportunity. But um, if I was him, if you were him, wouldn't you want that same thing? Like, ah, this place I, sucks. Get me someplace I, that doesn't. I would. And I'm not. I'm not really making a moral judgment on the loyalty thing. It just. It's just that it leaves me wanting more sometimes, and I hope they make it work this season because it'd be fun to see them go through the the playoff test together. But when I think of teams like the Nuggets with Jamal and Joker, or even the Warriors who've been through so much, um, it, there's just something about you know seeing a group with the main core components go for it, and it just feels like the Nets of it's just too much going on. It's too much chaos for me sometimes. And Oh, you got to yeah, lean it, into it. Yeah. Absorb the chaos. <laughs> I mean, we didn't even get to Steve Nash. Poor Steve Nash is sitting over there oh like, he was, a, Why like is he was in a hostage video. Why is he doing this? I never, it never made sense to me that he wanted to get into coaching. Like, dude, just go like rest your back somewhere. Like, why are you doing this? And now he's thrown into this hornet's nest. Kevin Durant wants him fired. He has to ask, answer questions about that. Surely there's something better he can do with his time that's not bringing him this much stress. Like, what is he getting out of this situation? Money. Uh, <laughs> but also, I mean, beyond that, like, look, some guys love the game, right? Some guys love ball. They like to be around. Let's not forget, they're not that far rem- removed from KD and Steve Nash being besties when he was a consultant with the Warriors, right? I mean, the reason why Steve Nash has this job is because KD wanted it. Now, I don't. I'm not sure about you because you're like one of the nicest people I know. I have had quite a few arguments with people that I work with over the years, and sometimes that's because things get heated, and you know you may fall out for a second, and then you patch it up. And sometimes you hate the person, uh, and you don't want to ever see them again or their stupid face. I don't know that it's the latter. 
I think it might be the former. I think that it was KD in a bad spot, looking how at how like the entire thing had de- deteriorated in Brooklyn. Kyrie won't get vaccinated and play. They ship Harden out of town because he doesn't want to be there. Simmons uh, may or may not have ghosted the the group chat, although he denies it, which is also awesome. And maybe he was just like, look, I, you know, Nash has got to go too because he's presided over this. Maybe they patch it up. Do you think there's a world in which you and I could still do this podcast if you found out I wanted you fired? If if you get a, if there's a Shams tweet that's like, you know, Rohan Akhni went to the head of Sports Illustrated and said he wants John Gonzalez fired, do you think you and I could still be friends after that? Could we still do this friends? podcast? Because no, what, could we still do the podcast? Maybe we're both professionals. Perhaps I think it would be awkward. Uh, it, it would be it would be uncomfortable. We definitely have to have a conversation. Are you hinting at something? Am I? Is this my last show? <laughs> I'm I'm simply I'm simply trying to illustrate how uncomfortable Nets games are going to be because I cannot think of another scenario where you can just ask for someone who you have to work very closely with that you want them fired. And then it's like, nope. And now it's like, you just got to dive right back into it. Like nothing happened. Yeah. And that that person and, you know, in the NBA, again, player agency is really pronounced. So it's not like KD is taking marching orders from Steve Nash, but Steve Nash, there is some sort of org chart that places yes, Steve Nash yes. at like a, a point of influence on that team. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's going to be awkward. I mean, they, they definitely have things to hash out. I'm going to guess there have been conversations already. There probably will be further conversations. The relationship is going to have to go through some mending. I don't know that it's like completely repairable, but maybe it is, right? I mean, because sometimes people who like each other get in arguments. Now, going as far as you mentioned to say like, hey, I I used to like you or we used to be friendly, uh, but now I want you gone. That is definitely like a pretty significant step. I don't know. I, I, I tend to be pretty vindictive and vengeful. So uh, I don't, I have like, I have a long memory on these things. Like I can forgive a lot, but I think after crossing a certain line, then, you know, I don't know that I'd have that point of return, but maybe Steve Nash is different. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe he's getting some of the Alibaba stock. I don't know what's going on <laughs> yeah, there, but you got to throw him some, a bone, man. Yeah. <laughs> But also, um, they did stand by him, right? They did say, "No, yeah. we're not doing this. You're not the in, like you're not uh, running this org. You're an employee. Mm-hmm. You're under contract. You want to go home, like Ben Simmons did last year. Do it. Go ahead. We'll, we dare you." Um, which I thought was like a smart uh, business decision by them, right? Because ultimately, what kind of leverage does KD have on a four-year deal? Not as much as you'd expect, mm-hmm. even in an era that empowers players absolutely so we will needless to say we will be keeping an eye on the brooklyn Nets always very closely every single day i love the mess i love the mess i i'm i just turned 30 but i realized i want even more mess in my life hbd buddy yeah thank you this is it we've got an amex platinum pro on our hands ladies and gentlemen we haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. 
Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Speaking of messes, let's move on to a team I wrote about this week. The Los Angeles Lakers. Who, you want to talk about, the best media days are the one where no one wants to talk about what's the, you know, what are you guys excited about this season, the new additions, blah, blah, blah. It's when there's one topic everyone just has to talk about Mm -hmm. and for the lakers that one topic was russell westbrook and shout out to bill plashke the the long time los angeles times columnist who just came in you know guns blazing at me today and i mean this genuinely and just putting people on the spot asked rob plinka if he could commit to russell westbrook's long-term future with this team and I i love rob plinka he's like that's a great question bill uh, you know, we work front office, myself, mm-hmm. the great basketball minds in here. Just just two two masters of their craft going at it. Plashke asking the serious question. Rob Palinka trying to figure out a way to turn this into Lakers propaganda. And so 
you know, Polinka gets asked about it. Darvin Ham gets asked about it. LeBron, AD, Russ, Patrick Beverly. Just some of the things said at Lakers Media Day yesterday. When asked if he could commit to Westbrook's long-term future with the team, Polinka was basically like, <laughs> he didn't say no, but he's like, we'll look into every avenue to upgrading the team. Mentioned the team would be wait- willing to trade first-round picks, which, of course, everyone thinks is what they'll need to do to get rid of Russ. Darvin Ham wouldn't commit to Russ being a starter. Throws in that players who defend will be given priority. Lakers famously defended terribly with Westbrook on the floor last year. Patrick Beverly is trying to convince everyone, him and Russell Westbrook are friends, that they have to be friends if they're going to make this work. AD was like, you know, we want Russ to be aggressive. And it's like, are you sure about that? (laughs) Right. So it's just, it's the elephant in the room. He's making $47 million next year. You can't just afford to bench him and kind of have that massive hole on your roster. At the same time, you almost can't afford to play him. Uh, how are you feeling about the Lakers these days? Because it's it's just a weird position that the team is in. Yeah. Uh, to go back to your initial point about Plaschke, kudos to him. I love the uh, big city columnist uh, throwing oh, his weight man. around. It it's I love rare. That. It's rare it's rarer these days than it used to be. It tends to be mm-hmm. mostly a phenomenon of East Coast reporting. You get it in Boston, New York, and Philly predominantly. LA tends to be a softer media environment, with the exception of Bill Plaschke, who like parachutes in for these events and just like stomps around, which is great. Um, but you mentioned you know, like, yes, West, Russell Westbrook, if you're talking about like what's the number one issue with the Lakers this year, it's undoubtedly Russell Westbrook because they tried to get rid of him. Everybody knows it. He knows it. And then, you know, he didn't like the way that they that they used him last year. And then all of a sudden he's coming into camp this year going, Well, I'll do whatever's necessary. I doubt that very much. Like, I mm-hmm. just don't believe that Russell Westbrook is gonna be like, you know what, bring me off the bench. I'm gonna play twenty four minutes a game. I'm not going to be super high usage. You have Darvin Ham going, uh, you know, what we really need, like after he was hired saying that uh, it would be great if Russell Westbrook set a bunch of picks. Love to see that. Would love to see him being, you know, off ball Russ. We've never seen it previously. But you had said, you know, it's the elephant in the room. It's an elephant in the room. That Mm. team is a team full of elephants in the room, right? Like you have LeBron James answering questions about Russ. Well, who was like almost entirely responsible for that happening, right? He's the guy who wanted Russ to come in. And then on top of that, you've got a, a guy who's what, 38 years old, who was previously an absolute Iron Man, who's one of the greatest, if not the greatest players uh, on the planet, who couldn't stay healthy over the last three seasons. Same with AD, can't stay healthy, right? And AD says, oh, you know, I'm going to show people he was uh, defiant at media day. At this stage in the season, people always are when they're coming off of injuries. But if those two guys can't stay healthy, you got bigger problems than Russell Westbrook. They have so many problems. You mentioned a team full of elephants. Here's another one. The team was outscored when LeBron and AD shaved their court last year together. They were outscored when LeBron and Russ shared the court together. They were outscored when AD and Russ shared the court together. And they were outscored when all three were on the court together. So even when those guys are healthy, we're still not sure how it works. Beyond that, they have a rookie head coach. Is he going to be able to command respect from LeBron? That is going to be remains to be seen. The signings they made this summer, I mean, they got younger, sure, but I like Lonnie Walker as a person. I really want him to succeed. University of Miami kid. You look at the guys who signed for the mid-level, they are gen- like Bruce Brown, Otto Porter, 
I've harped on this. Those guys are better than Lonnie Walker, especially for a team that hopes to win. You know, I like that they bring up Dennis Schroeder, especially at the price, but oh, who's I guarding about Kawhi? The return. Don't yeah. call it a comeback. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> who's going to guard Kawhi Leonard the first time they play the Clippers? Patrick Beverly? All right, then who guards Paul George? Who's going to guard Jason Tatum? Who's going to guard Devin Booker? And they have no, they don't really have a wing defender outside of Patrick Beverly, who should be guarding guards for the most part. And that's a lot of time for Patrick Beverly on the court where you're like, you know, the ideal situation for Patrick Beverly is like uh, that like microwave energy guy off the bench. Like mm-hmm. how many minutes are you giving Patrick Beverly? Who's also not yeah. young. Yeah. I, I don't know who's going to defend for that team. They, I think LeBron out of their entire roster had the highest three point shooting percentage Oof. last season. I, I mean, it just the roster construction makes no sense. And that's why and I wrote about this. We're harping on Westbrook so much. He, by virtue of his contract being so big, the salary he can get the Lakers back in a trade, it's kind of their best chance to bring in, you know, whether it's two players, whatever, guys who can actually make an impact on the rotation. Because as it stands, I don't know that this team's going to make the playoffs, which is absurd to think about with a team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis on it. Like two years yep. ago, won the NBA Finals, but I don't know that they can make the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean,. I'd still, I'd have to go through it um, and really look at the Western Conference. Um, I'd be surprised if they didn't, uh, because you still have LeBron and you still have AD, and and all roads lead back to them. If they don't make the playoffs, that means once again that those guys aren't on the floor, right? Because like you put those two guys on the floor for any significant number of games and any significant number of minutes, um, and they should still be like above water. But yeah, you're right. I mean, the roster construction doesn't make a lot of sense and they have work to do. And that's a Palenka thing now. Like this is kind of I mean, this is this is what you get for selling your soul for that championship, right? Like Mm -hmm. you get a bubble chip and this is this is the aftermath and also letting like LeBron go. I want Russ. Yeah. The crazy thing is it's. It's the aftermath of the season after that, which they they totally just. They had, they had a really good team the year following the bubble championship. They got Marc Gasol. Uh, they got Dennis Schroeder in. That team was playing really well, but everyone kept getting hurt because they had a 75-day layoff from the end of the last season. They're playing the super compressed season. And the team just wildly overreacts that year. It's it's not even like they – that's the thing, John. Is like To me, it's not even like they sold their soul. It's like they completely miscalculated this weird – post-bubble year and, and read way too much into it and kind of just doubled down on this absurd roster construction. And I, we don't have to go through this right now, and I, I'm sure I've said this before, but to me, Phoenix, Memphis, Golden State, the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Wolves, the Pelicans, they're all making the playoffs. And like, Are we sure the Lakers are going to be better than the Mavs? I, I really don't know. It, it's, it's hard for me to see them not at least not being in the plan. I'm I'm with you right up until like I would put the Lakers in that Wolves, Mavs, Pelicans tier mm. where you go, don't know. Don't know. You know, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um but you're right. I mean like on paper you'd probably be more confident in the Wolves and the Pelicans, maybe the Mavs as well, but that that grouping of four probably is is on the outside trying to get in. It's going to be wild and it's just <sighs> Man, it's like, how do you make this Westbrook trade? And now it's just, it's lingering. It's, it's, uh, 
it's a disaster. It's been a disaster from day one, and maybe they somehow, you know, if they prove everyone wrong, it'll be one of the, the most ultimate FU seasons of all time if they're able to, you know, make a contender out of this current group. But I don't see it, and I think it's pretty obvious. It's Even even Russ was like, whether or not they want me here, it doesn't matter. Like, last year it was all, like, you know, LeBron arranging yeah, yeah. him, AD, and Russ in the, in the photo. Yeah. And, oh, we're gonna, and this year it's like there's an awkward gap, and it's like closer – closer yeah. you know yeah <laughs> i mean like last year uh especially at the beginning when when lebron was like it's gonna take time and he's we just need him to be ross and now they're like you know what we would love is if you you didn't if you weren't ross all the time like if you maybe were if so- he didn't play as much if yeah. you were somebody else that would be awesome um but ultimately like like the main thing here like and this is something that's been the main thing for the lakers for a while is AD has to be the best player on the team and he has to play. If AD is the best player on the team and he plays and he's healthy, you got a shot. And if he's not, if he's the AD of the last couple of years where even when he was on the floor, he didn't look quite right, then this thing's a complete mess and you got to detonate it. Yeah. AD's got to find his jump shot. He's got to make life easy for LeBron. Again, the, the beauty of that bubble chip, and we wrote about this when we profiled AD, but they made each other so much better. Um, when they were healthy and maybe they can find a way to recapture that. Uh, I want to jump to one last team here and I'm not just doing this cause it's, it's you, but mm. we, I think we got to talk about the Philadelphia 76ers specifically James Harden. I feel like we've played this game before and we've been burned, mm-hmm. but he does look to be in incredible <laughs> shape. And I've, I've heard, I mean, I, I've talked to people who were like, no, James was genuinely working out like crazy yeah. this summer. People telling me he was going to look good coming into camp. I loved the moves they made this summer. I've you know, been on the record about that several times now, but I thought they, they stole DeAnthony Melton, P.J. Tucker, perfect fit. They still can have, you know, they have some flexibility. Tobias Harris out there is kind of like a trade chip to bring in, maybe some more rotation guys, or they keep him. I think he's a valuable player in that role. People telling me they think Maxie's going to have an even a bigger breakout here. They're kind of looming as this dangerous threat in the East because if Embiid stays healthy, you look at a team like the Nets, as much as we love the Nets, like what are they going to do against Embiid in a playoff series? So it, it, they're, they loom as this kind of fascinating ultimate mismatch if their big two guys are ready to go. How did you feel about what you saw from Sixers Media Day? Um, I love career best shape season. It is mm. uh, it, You can mark it on your calendar in the same way that you can mark other holidays. Every year, regardless <laughs> of sport, uh, before the season begins, you ask anyone, they're in career best shape, right? They all come in in career best shape. So I, I always I'd find, love for once for someone to be like, ah, you know, I let myself go this summer. Best I, was, shape I've ever come in. Yeah. I put my feet up. I was drinking beer and eating yeah. chips. Nobody ever yeah. says that uh, to the point where um, back when I was in Philly ahead of like one Eagles training camp, I did a little experiment for the TV station I was working for. And I just like went around and asked players what kind of shape they were in and we had like a super cut of you know 25 players going i'm in my you know the best shape of my life which was hilarious uh and that's kind of what we're at here james harden that's a low bar for him to trip over right because he clearly mm-hmm. was not in good shape now part of that he says was his hamstring he also said he was going through some really dark times i you know i i believe him uh i i want to believe people when they say that they're they're struggling mentally um so maybe all of that went into it just from like an anecdotal, like I'm eyeballing him from, you know, however many thousand <laughs> miles away that I am. He does look svelte. 
I mean, like he he looked like he was skinnier when he was bopping around Europe and you know tossing fake cakes off of the back of yachts. Um, <laughs> so you know, skinnier James Harden is a good James Harden. Now, whether or not that like manifests itself in him being able to turn the corner quicker, which we saw like this last year, not just with the Sixers but especially with the Nets to begin the season, he didn't look the same. That like little hezzy move that he had where he'd turn the corner and like Euro step his way into a, a couple free throws. It looked like significantly slower. Um, mm-hmm. So if he can get that back, that would be to the good. But um, yeah, I mean, I like year two of him and MB together. Now we'll see what it looks like. I will say one thing that was strange about Philly and I'm, again, like Embiid missed two games in that heat sixer series and, I think by game six was feeling the effects of a literal broken face. They still have the Harden and beat pick and roll trump card. I, yeah. I just think about it. I mean, let's say you're playing the Boston Celtics. Their defense is built entirely around switching. You run the Harden and beat pick and roll. Are you gonna? Is Boston gonna switch? Are they gonna live with Embiid posting up uh, Marcus Smart? You know, how are they gonna guard that action? How are the Nets gonna guard that action? Are they going to have Nick Claxton on the floor? Um, the Bucks. It's it's just going to be very interesting, and it's a weirdly a play they they probably should have leaned more on, even in the playoffs. That's going to come down to Doc Rivers, who I think people are all over the map in terms of how he's coached his team. Of course, Doc Rivers himself has had an eventful offseason. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, it, that point that you're making right there is a really smart one because, and I, for whatever reason, and and this has spanned multiple coaches. The Sixers haven't always used Embiid heavily in a pick and roll. He's more of a pick and pop type of guy. He's mm-hmm. been a, like a semi-reluctant role man. When they had JJ Redick, their their go-to action was the dribble handoff with those two mm-hmm. that worked extremely effectively. But we know that James Harden is like super dangerous when he has a role man, and I think that was part of why he was excited to have uh, Montrezl Harrell added to the team because those two had done damage in that action previously. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm with you. I would like to see Embiid and Harden in that pick and roll action more because it's in theory extremely dangerous and would be greatly to their benefit but uh part of that is on doc going hey we got to use this more but i think part of it goes back to mb too because like Mm -hmm. he hasn't always wanted to do that yeah that's a good point uh as you mentioned he's definitely been someone who's faded out to the perimeter a lot in his career and part of that was they never really had a great pick and roll partner for him either it was not a skill he had to you know, he couldn't do it with Simmons. They never really had a great guard otherwise. So that'll be very interesting. I want to hop on one last team. We didn't talk about this before, but I'm curious if you saw it. Did you see the DeAndre Ayton reaction or clip to someone asking about how he feels about uh, the contract he signed this summer? I did not. I thought when you went to the Suns, you were going to talk about Jay Crowder being like, 99 ain't going to be there, which is also great. Listen, but no, do tell me about get, DeAndre Ayton. Get, get, get 99 to the heat. But So a reporter asked DeAndre Ayton, like, what was your reaction after everything that happened this summer to, you know, signing the contract? And he's like, I'm happy. And then that, it just like laid out. That was it. And then the, then the reporter's like, that's it. And then DeAndre is like, yep. Um, oh, look, the way that the sun, the suns have a lot going on quite, quite obviously. And a lot going on that matters quite a bit more than, than basketball. That said, mm-hmm. the way that they've handled Aiton, not just this year, but last year, when we all thought he was going to get paid last year, uh, fi- following the finals, strange, right? I mean, like DeAndre, it's, it's a he's been 
the piece for them that uh, that team, like I think he's underrated. You know, he could still be better defensively, defensively, but I think he's underrated. And it's the piece for them and specifically for Chris Paul that really works. And you would just think that they'd go, oh, this really works together. Let's like make him happy, but not really. It's it's hard to separate some of his performances last season with the fact that how does you want to talk about how it affects you mentally? Him and Steve Nash got to form some kind of support group. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's like that Will Smith clip where he's like, "Why don't he want me?" You know, he's, he's falling into Uncle Phil's arms. Like, why doesn't the team want him? Like, what is he? What has he not done that they've asked him to do? I mean, he rolls hard. He defends. He does all these things that are, you know, the hate to use the cliche. Don't show up on the stat sheet for this team. And beyond that, expanded his offensive game to do all these different things. Yes, he had struggled in the playoffs. The entire team struggled in the playoffs. You could go Mikhail Bridges, Devin Booker, Chris Paul. Everyone had their failings. And I think the way that they've... Those are the kinds of personal dynamics that that people don't weigh into performance that we'll just never know how much it affected the team and how much it could linger over them headed into this one. I don't think he's going to finish this deal with Phoenix. And uh, I just don't think they've handled it correctly at all. Yeah, well, as we've learned... Uh, Phoenix tends to handle a lot of things incorrectly. So, you know, poor DeAndre Ayton happens to be one of those things. But, yeah, it's a curious situation for sure. I mean, um, I like, again, on paper, uh, the Suns roster, but they got so much going on, and and clearly that's just one more thing to add on to the pile. I don't – to me, anytime you lose a playoff series in that shocking of a fashion and you kind of run it back, that's a – it's a little bit of a red flag for me. So that's uh, that's one I'm keeping an eye on for sure as well. There's just a lot of mess, John. A, a lot, lot of mess. mess around the league. The NBA was silent, and now it's just messy. But I like it. Yeah. It gives us lots to talk about. Yeah, it, it's, it'll be fun. It'll certainly be fun. Um, well, that I think will do it for today's show. Thank you to everyone for listening. I, we're still we're still playing around with the mailbag. I'd love to do a giant mailbag before the season. We need the emails, people. Openfloormail at gmail.com. Please keep them coming in. We appreciate it. Until then, please continue to enjoy the Miami Dolphins, number one in this week's MMQB Power Rankings, uh, John's Philadelphia Eagles as well, and the NBA offseason. We'll talk to you guys. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.